Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Hope Unlimited Church podcast. We're honored that you're here, and we pray that you find this message both encouraging and inspiring. We are in, is this week, this is week four of Jesus and money, and we've been talking about that for, you know, four weeks, and if you haven't got to listen to what I've said up until this point, go ahead and go back and jump in and listen to the the sermons before, because it kind of all builds, that's kind of how a series works, is that everything builds up until this big ending, and that's happening next week at our Live to Give offering. So be praying about what you and your family should give. Be praying about what you and your family um, need to offer to the Lord in this season of life. We come one time every year with an offering that is above our normal giving, and we give it. And that helps us fight the, the greed and the selfishness that could all catch catch hold in our hearts during this season. So come next week with whatever the Lord tells you to do above your normal giving. And so um, another thing that I want to remind you about really quick, uh, December the 21st, the team night that we're going to have is going to be phenomenal. It's going to be a lot of fun, and you're going to want to get here with all of all of your people. So RSVP, we're going to have a lot of good food. Um, if you serve in any way or if you give financially in any way at all, that is for you. And so come out, be a part of it. We want to celebrate you. We want to thank you for all of the work that goes in to making this happen year round. And so be sure that you come for that. I have a sermon this morning prepared for you, if you can call it that. And the title of this sermon is called Built for the Long Call. Built for the Long Call. I'm going to read a couple verses this morning. Proverbs 13, 22, good people good people leave an inherit inheritance to their grandchildren or the old versions of the Bible say their children's children but the sinner's wealth passes to the godly or as my old Bible would say the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous <laughs> Luke 16 10 through 13 if you're faithful in little things you will be faithful in large ones but if you are dishonest in little things, you'll be you'll be dishonest with if you wait a minute, that's not right. That's not right. If you are faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. If you're un, untrustworthy with worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you're not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with your own? No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one, and you'll despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Pray that you would change our hearts. You would provoke us this morning. Do something within us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Jake, you're good, dog. You're good. Everybody give it up for Jake this morning. Oh, um, <laughs> I want to talk to you about 
the subject, built for the long haul. When me and my wife first moved here, uh, I didn't really, we moved here just on a word from God. Felt like God told us to move here in 2019, and um, we did. And one of the things that I was really uncertain about is I was in full-time ministry. I had a job working at a thriving church, and it was growing, and everything was great, and it was, it was phenomenal. I was working with students, so that just means you just tell jokes and order pizza, and everything is fine. And so um, when I moved here, there was a couple things that I felt like I heard from God when we moved here, and, and one of the first things that the Lord spoke to me was when you move to Knoxville, you were going to be built for the long haul. You're going to be built for the long haul. And I had no idea what that means. I still don't know a lot of what that means. I thought it meant one thing, and it for sure did not mean the thing that I thought it meant because that's just how God works. Um, <laughs> he'll tell you something, you'll assume something, and he'll be like, yeah, you're so wrong here. <laughs> like, you're so wrong that it's just bad. It's embarrassing how well you think you know what's going to happen and how what not is going to happen. <laughs> and so when... When, um, when I moved here, I thought being built for the long haul meant a very specific thing, did not mean that, but I did feel like the Lord gave me some, a foundation and then some pillars to not only build my house around, but that he was going to use to build this church around. And this, uh, this is going somewhere within our Jesus and Money series but I kind of want to just I want to share this with you this morning. So this is um, not really a a put together sermon. This is something that I really just feel like I heard from the Lord on all of these things, and I just want to share them with you this morning. I hope it impacts your life. And if it doesn't, fake like it did, and tell me that it was awesome. <laughs> um, but I have some things that I just call foundations for the long haul. How many of you know when you're building a house, you have to start with foundational things? If you do not start with the foundation, your house will crumble, and it will not be good. This is the first thing that I felt like that the Lord wanted to change within my thinking when it come to the, the, over the course of my life, the long haul. The first thing that I felt like the Lord wanted to shift in my mind was that my life and the plan that he had for my family was not just meant for me in my lifetime. The plan that God has for you and your family, if you want to make a shift for Hope Unlimited, this church to last, right, for this to be here in 80 to 100 years, there has to be a shift in our thinking and we have to stop thinking about ourselves all the time. We have to look forward out into the future and think about what's coming next. One of the ways that the Lord spoke to me about this was that I wasn't supposed to just build a life with God for me. I was supposed to build a life with God for my family and my children and maybe our future children. We're not pregnant, by the way, so don't go anywhere with that. Don't assume anything. We're not having another child right now. Um, Beckham yesterday just solidified the reason that we're not having another child right now. It's confirmation from God. 
of why we don't need another child right now. Um, so, but our calling is not just for Hope Unlimited to exist now. Our calling is to be sure that Hope Unlimited exists 80 years from now and 100 years from now. And if you want to build something that lasts or you want to build something of significance, your, your mind has to get off of you and yourself. It has to get on to others and who's coming after you. I'm all, like, listen, I already pray about who takes this next. And I just took this almost two years ago. And I plan to be here for a long time. But I'm, we are building something here that's not just for us that will last for a long, long time. We are building something that not just our kids will stand in, but also their kids will stand in. And until you can shift your mind to the fact that we're not just building this for us, this will never be what it's supposed to be. You have to be, you have to be in tune with the Spirit to be able to make a decision for now and 40 years from now. Because he knows what needs to be done. But if I would have asked anybody in this room, do you think the world would be in the shape it is 40 years ago? Now. Most people would be like, no, I don't think we would be this place at all. But nothing catches God by surprise. Right? And so the way that we have to think is not just for now, it's for 40 80, 120 years from now. And the only way to do that is to be in tune with the Spirit because you can't think 120 years down the road without His help. So the first foundational thing is, is you have to think beyond yourself. You have to think about your family. You have to think about your, not only your children, but your grandchildren, right? The second foundational piece that I feel that the Lord gave me for being built for the long haul and building something that lasts was that it's this phrase, more is caught than is taught. More is caught than is taught. And so when we think about what Hope Unlimited is, your kids, the people in that kid's department over there, if you are older in this room and you are helping disciple people who are younger in this room, whatever it, it looks like, more will be caught from your actions that will, than will be taught with your mouth. People will pick, on, pick up on more of what you do than what you say. Right? They will follow the life you live, not the life that you say you live. Right? They will... They will copy you in action, not in the actions that you say that you do. They will do what you do. The next generation is watching us all the time, right? Here's the thing. People get uncomfortable with this statement. You are leading someone because you are influencing someone in one way or the other. And you can live a life that is worthy of being followed. Or 
you can live a life that's going to lead people into bondage, right? Emotionally, in, into sin, right? Because that still exists. It's still real. You can, you can live a life that leads people in a way that's not godly, right? Proverbs says that that is true. This is what Proverbs says, walk with the wise, become wise. A companion of fools suffers harm, right? It doesn't say they might suffer harm. This is how, this is my, this is my, this is my uh, Cole Burke's translation of that verse. Play stupid games, win stupid prizes, <laughs> right? Hang out with people who are smart and, and have things going for them in life, you're probably going to be the same. But if you hang out with people who are walking in, in ways that are not wise, right? you're soon going to suffer harm because of that. You should live a life that people want to follow because you're wise, because you love Jesus, right? Not because you're cool and you're hipster and you wear cool clothes and all of that, right? None of that matters. You may feel cool. It doesn't matter. You may look cool. It doesn't matter. Nobody cares, right? In 25 years from now, nobody's going to care, and if I could really, like, help you out, nobody really cares now. <laughs> you think that they care a lot more than they actually do. And I'm going to be a person that I, when the way that I live my life, I want there to be wisdom that flows from my mouth. I want to have a godly heart. I want to walk in the ways of Jesus because somebody is watching me. Right? And all the cool stuff, you can wear all the cool stuff you want. Nothing wrong with that. Wear it all. Spend all the money. I have a problem with shoes. Okay? That's the only thing I have a problem with. Clothes, I have about six sweatshirts. I don't know if y'all noticed or not. But they're on rotation. <laughs> I have three favorites. That's right. And they're all Levi's brand. One of my friends, he messages me every time. Like he'll he'll watch online sometimes, and he'll screenshot when I have like a Levi's shirt on. And he's like, "Are you trying to like get monetized or something?" It's like, no, I like the way they fit. They make clothes that are not that that are the size that they say, right? Because these days you can go in and buy an XL and it's a medium, okay? And I ain't about it. I need. I need XL to be XL and medium to remain medium. We're not all European size. Okay? Not all of us grew up in England. Some of us grew up in Alabama. Okay? Where eating is a sport. And we eat very unhealthy. And we're strong. I heard this phrase. I heard this phrase on my cruise, and I just have to share it with you, or I'm not going to be able to move on. <laughs> not going to be able to go forward. There was a um, an altercation that was happening near the elevators. And um, I was going to get some coffee one night. And this guy looked at this dude. He's like, I was raised on steak and potatoes. And you look like you were raised on broccoli. There's a difference. <laughs> There's a difference. 
And I was like, you're going to hell for saying that. You're going to hell. Where was I? (laughs) People copy your behavior. People copy the life that you live. And if you want, just if we build a foundation, I believe you have to think about the next generation and you have to understand that more will be caught from your life than will be taught from your mouth. Because I can tell you this right now. There are some people who do not care about what you have to say. They don't. They care about how you live. I learned really like I learned really fast. Really really fast. People a lot of times say things they don't mean in times of great emotion, good or bad. Right? So people will will pledge loyalties to you in times where God is moving powerfully in the church. And then in two weeks, they're like, yeah, we found a new church, man. <laughs> like, we're going to be here for the rest of our lives two weeks ago. Two weeks later, it's like, we found a new one. Found a new one. Two weeks later. What's funny is, is like, the pastors in this town, we're all friends. <laughs> we're all friends. So we know, like, when you church hop. Like, we know. <laughs> It's not like, and we're not bitter about it either. It's be like, I hope they're doing well, man. Like, and, then, and then some people were like, thank God they left our church and came to yours. We're going to be praying extra for you this week in our, in our pastor's text. Um, more is, more is going to be caught from your life than will be taught from your mouth. That's two foundational things that you have to think about when being built for the long haul. Now, I want to give you some pillars to go on that foundation. I'm going to give you some pillars to go with that foundation. The first one, if you want your family to serve God all of their life, and if you want to build this in everything that God has called it to be, the first thing that we have to do is show up. Right? That's the first thing that you have to do. You actually have to come to church to help build the church, right? Like, that's kind of part of it. And you can just come and attend, right? We're not, like, you actually have to come to church. You know, I think a lot of times, like, I, I think about what Jesus told his disciples when he started to build the church. This is what he said. Go to Jerusalem and wait Go to Jerusalem and wait. I think a lot of times the initial working of the Spirit in our lives looks like us sitting and waiting. And we live in a culture where we need to entertain you. And so if worship is just not right this week, or I don't preach a good enough message this week, well, we'll just not go the next few weeks and we'll just come when... Wherever we can, and we'll just make this another hobby that we can check off. You are not building anything doing that. One thing that you are doing, though, is you're letting all the people who are following you and watching you, you're letting them catch something from your life. And what it is 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 that church and a relationship with Jesus is just an option. Right? It's just an option. Or it's not really as important 
as we say it is. Right? I know tons of people that will say a relationship with Jesus and going to church is important, but never come to church. What if the work of the Spirit doesn't look like you be being entertained on a Sunday? Or let me, let me go a little bit further. What if it doesn't look like you being a consumer? Right? And if something isn't the way that you don't like it, that's okay. We do stuff here. It's not the way that I like it. Right? And that's okay. That's totally fine. I still come and I wait and I trust what he said that he was going to do. But the disciples went to Jerusalem and they waited. They trusted that what Jesus told them was going to happen. And it did. But a lot of times, and that, that what happened was, is that the Spirit came and empowered them to change the world. But before it did, they had to sit and wait. They had to sit still. And some of the problem that we have in our modern day church culture is we do not say that enough. We do not say, come and sit and allow the Spirit to begin a work in you. We do not say that enough, man. What we say is, come be a part, come give, throw something in the offering on the way out. And we'll, what we'll do is, like I've had someone tell me this before, we just need to take a survey, see what everybody likes. It's like, if you want me to go absolutely insane, let's take a survey to see what everybody likes. What everybody else. You know something about that I love about the kingdom of God is that it's not a democracy. It's a kingdom where there is a king who has a dominion and we worship him. You know, that's the reason that we come and gather here. It's for Jesus. It's all for Jesus, right? Pastor Casey taught a while back. He taught on the logos and the counter logos and how what that really means is, let me make that for you. It means you and Jesus. <laughs> and what Jesus is doing is forming you into a, a more beautiful image of who he is because that's who we are. We are the image of God in the earth. And in the midst of all of that, one of the things that I think we miss is, is when we don't show up, when we don't just come and engage in church on a regular basis, we miss the work of the Spirit in our lives. You miss a vital element of what God wants to do within you when church becomes optional, when it becomes a hobby. So you got to show up. You got to show up. What if, what if you show up and nothing happens? How many of you ever been to church before and you didn't feel anything? Me. It's totally normal. But you're not here to be stimulated. You're not here to be entertained. You're here to trust the work of the Spirit as it does what it does within you as you gather this is what Hebrew says. Let us, hold, you know, like, and I don't just get up here and say you need to come to church. Like, that's not, I'm not up here to say you need to get in church, boy. Like, in 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 Alabama, this is what we say. I'm gonna get back in church. Like, it's the gym. Like, I'm gonna get back in church. I need to get back in church. In Alabama, we have something called Back to Church Sunday. 
which just implies that you can miss all year. Just come back on this day. And it's when school starts back, back to church Sunday. I'm serious as a heart attack. They have a huge big deal. Every church in Alabama, Mississippi, back to church Sunday. I'm telling you. This is what Hebrew says. Let us hold firmly to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how to encourage one another in love and good deeds, not abandoning our own meeting together as some are in the habit of, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day draw closer. Do you know the reason that you come to church? There's a, there's a bunch of reasons. But Paul says specifically, one of the reasons that you come to church is to provoke one another in love for God and others, and good deed. That's one of the reasons why you need a local church. Because you need to be provoked in love for God, love for others, and you need to put some action behind that. Right? That's what Paul says. So you got to show up. you got to be provoked in love and good deed. Listen, when you show up here, and when you show up to church, you have to submit to the work of the Spirit. So you have to show up, and you have to submit to the work of the Spirit. This is one of my favorite, it's become one of my favorite passages to read um, in Acts chapter 2. I know that's very typical Pentecostal. Um, but it's, it's the questions that they ask in Acts chapter 2. What do we do, and what does this mean? What do we do, and what does this mean? The Spirit begins to move. They actually ask them in the opposite. The Spirit begins to move. Everybody starts speaking in tongues on the day of Pentecost, and everybody asks, what does this mean? You know, that's a totally normal question for people to ask. What does this mean? Peter tells them what it means, and then they ask the question, what do we do? Here's what I have come to notice. When I am asking the question, what does this mean, or what do I need to do, that is the evidence that the Spirit has showed up in my life. It doesn't make me afraid of, like, when I ask, when, when I get confronted with new theological truths that I haven't discovered yet, when I say new, I just mean they're new to me. They're not really new, just new to me. When I get confronted with those things and I ask the question in my heart, well, what does this mean? That is the evidence of the Spirit at work within you. When you hear me say something and you say, well, what does this mean? It's not a thing where you get to get up here or you can. It doesn't bother me. You don't just get to go home and say, that preacher's a heretic, right? Heretic, heresy, not going back there. They believe all this random stuff that, that we don't believe, that people say that we believe, right? But when you're asking the question, what does this mean? Or what do I do? Follow that. Don't shy away from that. Be okay with the confrontation of the Spirit within your life, even in the, un in the unknown. Right? Because those people in Acts chapter 2 did not know they were about to have a church plant and it explode. They did not know all of that. They weren't prepared for that. But they trusted the work of what does this mean and what do I do? The third thing, the third pillar 
The first thing is, the first pillar, just to recap really quick, show up. Get to church. Get here. Be provoked by one another. Number two, submit to what God's doing in whatever church that you're in. And then, number three, serve. Serve what God is doing. This is what Jesus says. But among you it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be like a servant. The leader should be like a servant. Who is more important, the one that sits at the table or the one that serves the course? Sorry. Who is more important? I'm reading a new version of the Bible, and I am, I am quoting it in my version, and then I'm seeing what it says, and it's two different versions. Who is more important, the one that sits at the table or the, or the, one, that, or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here. For I am among you as one who serves. Right? The most, the, what Jesus is saying here, there's another translation that says, it says that the Son of Man has come to serve. There's another translation that says this, the Son of Man has come to serve those who sit at the table and you should follow. Right? When we come together, we are coming to sit together at a big table, right? How many of you, Thanksgiving was this this past week, so I can use this, right? How many of you grew up and there's like, there's one person who cooks? You grew up that way. How many of you grew up and there's like multiple people who cook? And it's like, these people are the assigned cooks and you have to work your way into that, right? Every other holiday is a tryout for that one, right? Whatever you bring, we might let you in. It's a lot easier when everyone participates in bringing something versus when the burden is put on one person, right? This is why you should serve in church, right? It's not because it's not serving in church is not to meet some unfulfilled need in you. It's not about discovering your ultimate purpose in life. That's not what it's about. Serving is about serving other people. That's it. That's it. There's no caveat to that. It's not serve so I can be served. It's just, no, you just serve people. Right? You just go love people. And this is what happens. The reason, that we're, the reason why we are building what we are building here and the, and the way that we're building what we are building here is not for you just to come and spectate what's happening. It's not just for you to be a spectator. It's for you to participate in what God's doing. And you can do that by serving on a team, by praying for someone in the altar, by sweeping and cleaning during the week. You can do that by serving in kids. You can do that in all different ways. We have people that serve here when something needs built. They come and build it. But could you imagine if there was only like two or three people that were responsible for all of this? This is all for Jesus and to Jesus, and it serves you. Right? That's the beautiful thing about the Lord's Supper. It's all for Jesus, about Jesus, ingrained in Jesus for him, to him, from him, but it serves you because that's who Jesus is. 
He would not tell you to do anything that's not going to serve you well because that's who he is, right? And so when you serve, when you serve, when you show up and serve, you are helping build what God is doing this because we want this to last. Let kids catch you serving. Let it be normal. Let it be normal for you. Let it be a part of your everyday life. Can I actually tell you this? This is just like a super fun stat to throw out. You know we only meet on Sundays once a week? Because <laughs> Sunday is once a week. On Wednesdays, nobody serves, really. We only come to church one day a week at a specific time every single week. And people act like their lives are so busy that they can't come here during that time every single week. That is just not true. It's just not true. You are not that busy. You're not that busy. You may be unorganized, but you are not that busy. And if you are that busy, then there's another problem. Right? I know very few people that can't come and spend... You can go to... Target for two hours. Target, Walmart, Bath and Body Works. Bath and Body Works is one of my favorite stores. Don't judge me. I just walk around, I'm like, which one's going to win today? <laughs> which one's about to take all my money today? Just have to filter my thoughts. <laughs> Show up and serve. Serve what God is doing. Why? Sometimes the answer to my questions I actually met with someone this week. And they were like, why are you saying that I should do this? And I'm like, because Jesus says to do this. I don't really have a lot of explanation other than God says to do this. There's an element of your faith that is just pure obedience. It's just pure obedience. I don't serve the church, and I'm not the pastor here because I have like some weird need that I need to be, that I need met from being the pastor at this church. And I need to see just this place packed out every week, or I'm going to go home and beat my head over the door of why nobody's showing up to church and why the offering wasn't enough this week. I don't have a need that's being met by doing this. I don't. But God has called me to do this, and I serve in this position out of obedience. And there are tons of places in this church that you can serve in out of obedience. You know that serving God, like there's an element to it that is supposed to be sacrificial? Serving anyone, there is an element that is going to be sacrificial. You know, like Jesus was kind of sacrificial. <laughs> and we're to follow in his footsteps. We are to serve the world around us. And does it require you, like, being, like, maybe missing an hour of sleep? Yes, you can get it on this afternoon, dog. You not know about Sunday naps. Nobody talked to you about a Sunday nap yet? 
That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Show up and serve, man. That's the third pillar. The last pillar is this. This is where I'm going to hang my hat. So we show up to what God's doing. We come here. We gather together. Right? We submit to what he's doing when we get here. We serve what he's doing. And then we sow into what he's doing. Financially. We sow in to what God is doing financially. Here it is. Galatians 6. Those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teacher, sharing all good things with them. Do not be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy, or satisfy their selfish nature will harvest decay and death from that selfish nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life. So let's not get tired of doing what is good at just the right time, we'll reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever you have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those who are within the household of faith. This is what Jesus says. Wherever your treasure is, the desires of your heart will be there also. When, when, Jesus is, when Paul is addressing the church in Galatia, this is his last thing that he says to that church. Do not, you can do all of the stuff that you want to do, but you have to sow financially into what God is doing if you want it to bless you in the way that it was designed to bless you. You bring that down a little bit, Jake. Thank you. If you want it to bless you in the way that it's designed to bless you, you have to sow into what God's doing. And it's not this thing where you... Like, it, God is not a slot machine, so I don't want you to hear me wrong. Paul is reiterating what Jesus is saying. Where your treasure is, there your heart's going to be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart's going to be also. Wherever your money goes, that's where your heart is. Wherever you put it, that's where your heart's going to be. And listen... Sometimes, well, there we go. Sometimes you have to sow into something until it begins to change your heart. Giving God your money isn't this crazy thing that we're asking. We're not asking you to come in here and pull out your checkbook and give us all your money. It's not what we're saying. Right? It's not what we're saying. Generosity in the New Testament looks like sowing into wherever you faithfully or locally attend church. Whatever blesses your life, you are supposed to give back in all good things to it. In all good things. Money, service, all of those things. 